Good morning, and welcome to Connections Radio Show, where we really like to have a good conversation and talk about ideas that matter. I'm glad you've made the connection and are with us today. I'm Laurie Fitz, your host. And part of our goal of our show is to explore a wide range of topics that challenge us to see ourselves, our community, and the world around us in ways that get us thinking, get us feeling, get us imagining, and perhaps even looking into how we feel about things and what we want to do in the world. And I'm very excited. Today we have Jennifer Ann Moses joining us. She is an author and a painter and a dear person. Welcome, Jennifer. Thank you, Lori. <laughs> it's always a pleasure to have a conversation with you, Jennifer. And I particularly enjoyed your new book, The Book of Joshua. Thank you. Now, The Book of Joshua has uh, so many different layers to it and so many different ways of approaching it. So I want to first just sort of lay the groundwork that this is uh, a show. I mean, this is a, a, a book that starts us off in a psych ward essentially um yeah. dealing with with someone who has lost an eye and doesn't remember how that happened well that's exactly right it, it is a novel uh-huh. um it is not a a, a, a study of a biblical book it's a mm-hmm. novel about a young man named joshua and that's why it's the book of joshua it's his story and the novel does indeed start out with joshua waking up in a psych ward, not knowing where he is, not knowing how he got there, discovering within moments of consciousness, of regaining consciousness, that he seems to only have one eye. He doesn't know what happened to the other. He doesn't know, he doesn't recognize the woman sitting next to his bed, who is his mother. And he also doesn't know what happened with his last memories of being with his, the love of his life, his girlfriend, Sophie. He doesn't know what happened to Sophie? Um, so he doesn't really know who he is anymore, and it's a mystery throughout. I mean, you you walk with him in struggling to to imagine what happened to Sophie and why isn't she a part of his life because he loves her so deeply. Right. So it is it is Joshua's story, and I I like to joke that. So Joshua's had a. He, he, we learn early. He learns early that he's had a psychotic break, a schizophrenic break. Um. And he has he has lost touch with reality. At the time he wakes up in the hospital is the beginning of his getting back in touch with reality and his journey to returning to health. So his um, the joke is he has to go back and uh, to high school. <laughs> and now that he's regained his health enough health to go to high school, he he had been in his senior year, his last year of high school. Um, when he started losing his his mind, and um, did, and during that time, that time is just it's a blank for him. It's all it's all dark. He doesn't know what happened. All he knows is he has to go back to high school and do senior year again. Um, this time he's in the in class with his own little brother. So um, for anyone who's who's in high school now or remembers being in high school just the very idea of doing a fifth year of high school is is enough to you know push you over the edge so he's got this double whammy he has to do five years of high school his own friends have moved on and are in college and uh now last time he was in high school he remembers himself as having been kind of you know a big man on campus he was handsome he was tall he was popular he got good grades and he was the star athlete runner he was a long distance runner he was slender and fast and now he's bloated he's fat he only has one eye he's a big weirdo and and he goes home and his his family will not tell him what happened they say they don't know they don't know they they keep telling him they don't know that all they know is that someone called 911 and they he ended up in the hospital they weren't able to save his eye nobody knows how he lost it and as for sophie his girlfriend he keeps saying where's sophie where's sophie but they just keep saying she's safe don't worry so there's a suspicion i mean he he knows that they know something more and that they're not telling him because they're giving him just enough information for him to feel frustrated of, wait a minute, you have to know more than that. Why aren't you telling well, me? Well, yeah, he does He does have kind of a gut suspicion. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's not something he's worked out intellectually in his head. Mm-hmm. He has a gut suspicion that they're keeping the truth from him. 
um, but he doesn't know why. His mother will tell him, Sophie, you know, doesn't really want to hear from you anymore. Um, you just have to trust that she's fine. He, he thinks maybe he killed her. Yeah. You know, she's fine. She's fine. She just doesn't want to hear from you anymore because he keeps trying to get in touch with her. He emails, he texts, he calls, he even, you know, he tries to go by. She, he tries to visit her at NYU where she's enrolled as a student, but she's not there anymore. Mm -hmm. So there's no trace of Sophie anymore, and he, that's a mystery to him and a heartbreak because he loves her so much. He's desperately, desperately in love with her and has been envisioning that when he and Sophie grow up and finish college, that they'll get married and they'll have a life together. Um, and his parents won't tell him the first thing about her other than that she's alive and well. And his brother won't tell him anything. And he kind of doesn't know, he neither knows what he's done over the past year, which is all dark for him, nor who he is anymore. And it's incongruous so to him. About, it's incongruous to him because he, the love is so deep and what he remembers since he's had this phase where he cannot remember his life, but his last memory is a very loving memory with Sophie. So it, right. it doesn't make sense that, that they're not together. Right, and so at that age, I mean, we all remember yes. at that age you can form extremely intense romantic attachments, and more often than not, those those intense romantic attachments dissolve naturally on their own, and and you have you know another boyfriend or another girlfriend, and eventually you find the one who you marry later on in life. But many people marry their their high school sweethearts. Mm -hmm. That's not at all uncommon. My own brother married his high school mm -hmm. sweetheart. Um, so that's that he's planning on on marrying this girl when when he's old enough and um so it's very mysterious to him and very heartbreaking and on top of everything else he has to go back to high school <laughs> which is mind numbing just thinking about now, right and now in in approaching this was there a reason that you were drawn to exploring mental illness especially young people's um and schizophrenia well, it, I didn't really take on the subject of mental illness or schizophrenia. I mm -hmm. really took on the subject of Joshua, this particular character. Um, and the reason this story got embedded in, in, in my soul um, about this particular character is because I myself did have a dear friend in high school who was my first boyfriend in the summer of 1976 when we were both 16 years old. He was my first boyfriend. His name was Danny. He and I met at a summer program in Massachusetts. Um, and we had a summer romance and it was very sweet. And he was handsome and he was gifted and he was athletic and so forth and so on. And um, he was from California. I was from uh, Virginia, but we met at the summer program, and we corresponded all year. We weren't. We were no longer an item. He went back to L.A. I sure. went back to Virginia. We were no longer an item, but we both ended up in college on the East Coast. So we established a friendship. Uh, he was very bright. He went to Princeton. <laughs> That's how smart he was. But during those years. Um, when he was uh, in his late adolescence, early late teens, early twenties, he this sunny, gifted, handsome. He was freckled on top of everything uh. else. Boy, who was so optimistic and such, you know, sort of the apple of his family's eye, got weird and dark and depressed and um, paranoid. Um, and he, as as Joshua had this fascination and this sort of adoration for. Sophie, in, in my novel, the real-life Danny was kind of fixated on me, mm. personally, mm -hmm. um, and so much so that um, a junior, I went abroad in college. I went to London for my second semester of my junior year. I studied in London, and Danny took his entire junior year to study in Paris. So he was living in Paris and studying whatever he was studying. I don't know. Um, and I flew to London in January to start my semester abroad. And Danny, in the meantime, had, had um, come to London from Paris to look for me. And he mm. found me. Mm. He found me in London. Wow. This was before the internet. You know, this was <laughs> before, before Google. <laughs> right. He, he found me. Um, and I 
went to my crummy, depressing dorm room, um, this dismal dark. I mean, it was like Victorian and scary. <laughs> and and like there he was. Oh my goodness! Waiting for me, you know. So I had I had this this young man in my life um, who 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 I, I kind of loved and he kind of scared me and I kind of felt responsible for him and I was completely out of my depth of course and I sent him off and next thing I know my mother is calling me I don't remember where I was I think I was out of college by now because uh, da- Danny had taken Danny didn't graduate college in four years he was on the five or six year plan because of his struggles and mom told me Danny had poked out his own eye. Oh, my goodness. He'd had a schizophrenic break and poked out his He was at a YMCA in New York City. Princeton, the camp, Princeton campus isn't that far from New York. He'd taken the train in. He'd stayed at the Y. He poked out his own eye. And this image just stayed with me and stayed with me and stayed with me. And many, many years later, he committed suicide. Mm. He committed suicide, poor guy. I mean, he was really, really ill. Um, and I may or may not, ha- he may or may not have stayed with me, but in the meantime, his mother, my, my mother and, and Danny's mother were friends through the world of Jewish, uh, philanthropy. Um, but so Danny's mother called me every year on Danny's birthday. Oh. Just to talk. And, and, um. I always theorized that she wanted to talk to me in particular because somehow I, to her, was a link to Danny's Danny when he was innocent, Danny before he went dark. Because I never knew him, and Danny when he um, loved, and and getting in touch with someone that he loved um, links a maybe. love. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I never knew. I was always very honored by her mm-hmm. phone calls, by her uh, emotional trust. Mm-hmm in me um and um you know and there you have it so, well, so this story was just in me and i i eventually wrote it but it took about 20 drafts again i mean it's not like it popped out no. all perfect i wrote and i rewrote and i rewrote and i rewrote it was a very difficult story to to get right and when i say get right i don't mean to make it true to the true story which i didn't write the, i didn't write a biographical story mm-hmm. about the real Danny. I, I wrote a novel um, that came from my imagination that was inspired uh, that, that had its seed in, in this, this this awful experience that this brilliant, lovely young man's life was, was robbed. You know, he had a cancer of the soul. Mm-hmm. I had cancer years ago. Cancer of the body doesn't well, first of all, I'm fine, but even people who die of cancer, and I've now known many, you know, it doesn't rob you of your soul. Yeah. Danny, Danny's cancer, his mental illness, it robbed him of his soul. And that's something that um, is just, it's just almost the saddest thing there is. It's just, it's just so awful. Well, Jennifer, your story touches with such empathy. Uh, when I was reading it, I, I felt, you know, I, I had an empathy for Sophie throughout it because mm. how, uh, Sophie was being um, uh, pursued and stalked in a way that I'm sure she felt very uncomfortable. Yet you brought such beauty and life to Joshua and an understanding mm. of, of what it means to be going through this, which I'm sure in the writing process um, was quite challenging so i'm not surprised it took 20 times but joshua (laughs) such a a precious precious character that we we just fall in love with and and well yeah he's a nice guy and he's his his yearning his great burning desire starts you know is for 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 many of his pages many of the chapters he really just wants to get back together with sophie but it's it it he moves into he just wants to know who he is yeah. what did he do and, and we like, all do he? which is nice because right. we're all trying to kind of figure that out. and and i uh, our time for this segment <laughs> over just a bit so okay. what, what we need is to go we'll to pick break up. We'll, we'll pick up and there, there's more to talk about in terms okay. of how this book was written and where it touches us and where it can perhaps create better communication too amongst family and friends so thanks so much and you're listening to am 950 the progressive voice of minnesota and we're on connections radio show stay with us and learn more about the book of joshua 
by our dear friend, Jennifer Ann Moses. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Noshina Hussein, and I'm from Reviving the Islamic Sisterhood for Empowerment. We are on a mission to amplify the voice and power of Muslim women by reclaiming stories told about us and training our sisters to become leaders in our communities. We imagine a future in which all Muslim women are connected, reflected, celebrated, and emboldened. A future that can only be realized when we see ourselves in positions of power. Our sisterhood is grounded in our faith, which inspires us to show up together and create change in our communities. Together, we rise. I am Athena Janakis Karras, and my family invites you to join us at It's Greek to Me on the corner of Lake and Lindale. Since purchasing this iconic restaurant two years ago, our passion has been building upon the traditional by infusing the menu and space with modern interpretations of classic Greek cuisine, sourcing fresh, authentic ingredients and recipes cultivated from our Greek heritage. Your meal will be quintessentially Greek. Find It's Greek to Me at 626 West Lake Street in Minneapolis or at It's Greek to Me MN. The bright and fun brainchild of the Wadi Brothers, the World Street Kitchen, features flavors from across the globe, from Asia to the Caribbean to the Mediterranean and everything in between. The restaurant serves popular staples, specials, sweets, and cocktails in one friendly spot. What's it like? It's an experience. The red curry chicken burrito slaps you on one cheek and kisses you on the other. Bring your favorite people. Order at the counter. Sit together and laugh. Eat your crazy, delicious, simple food with big, bold flavors that come together with delicious harmony. And for dessert, enjoy the best ice cream you've ever tasted at Milk Jam Creamery just next door. Amazing frozen creation by the team behind the World Street Kitchen. Come to Minneapolis Uptown at 2743 Lindale Avenue South and get a taste of the world. Find out about the tasty goodness at EATWSK.com. That's EATWSK.com. Hi, I'm Dr. Scott Shamblot from Shamblot Family Dentistry. We're the fear-free, get-you-out-of-pain-now dental office. We always offer a free exam and x-rays for new patients because we believe you shouldn't have to pay to find out what's wrong with your teeth. Call today. We're open early and late and Saturdays to fit your schedule. As my daughter Rachel says, If you don't see my dad, please see another dentist. Take care of your teeth because they're the only ones you get. Call 1-800-FIX-MY-TEETH or visit fixmyteeth.us. Connections Radio Show is all about tapping into our hardwired hunger to connect. We examine meaningful connections to ourselves, our community, and the world around us by opening the door to innovative insights by a wide variety of interesting guests. We'll make the connections to something bigger than ourselves. Join me, Lori Fitz, your host of Connections Radio Show, and together we'll make the connections. Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Good morning, and welcome back to Connections Radio Show, where we talk about ideas that matter. And this week we have Jennifer Ann Moses, who is an author and a painter, coming to talk about her new book, The Book of Joshua. We were talking about Joshua in our last segment. Here's this 18-year-old Joshua Cushing who wakes up in a psych ward not knowing how he got there. And he only has one eye. And no one in his family will tell him exactly what happened to his girlfriend, Sophie. And the one thing he knows for sure is that something happened. And he has a journey of examining his life, but it's a life that he doesn't really recognize. And I've got Jennifer Ann here to tell me, who wrote about family secrets and friendship and faith and love and redemption. Um, and one of the things that you say about this is that it brings readers into the lives of those who suffer with mental illness, as well as friends and family affected by it. And, yeah, yeah, that was the blurb. Yeah, <laughs> that was yeah. around. Yeah, um, my public, pub, pub, yeah, my uh, publisher wrote that as a sort of way in um, an invitation in, into the book. So yeah, it's um, it so in a way, almost everything I write is you. You were asking earlier, like why this book? Mm-hmm. Why mental illness? Why jo- this character Joshua? Mm-hmm. And you're right. So so as I was just saying, it, it, this book is in some ways. Um, my grappling with the story of my real friend Danny, who really did have schizophrenia and um, really did die from it. In his case, he, he killed himself when he was 
He was 36 when he killed himself, so um, that was an enormously terrible grief, of course, for for his loved ones. Um, but it's really it's really my own story too. Not that I've had any more mental illness than mm-hmm. your average mother. Um, <laughs> I had mental illness for twenty years with teenagers in them. particular. <laughs> right, but they're they're all out of the house, so I don't have that excuse anymore. Uh-huh. Um, they're all they're all grown up, but. Um, so it, it, it's really my own my own story, and I think I am not even a little bit alone um, when I say that I've spent most of my adult life trying to figure out my who I am, like how how I popped out into the world the way I did, and the mystery of my own youth. Mm-hmm. So nobody in my own particular uh, family of origin, um, I'm one of four kids. My parents were married. My mother died about 15 years ago of cancer. Uh, she was in her 70s, so it wasn't like I lost my darling mother when I was a child when I needed her. Um, I was well into my 40s when my mother died. So on, on the surface of things in my own um growing up years, things were, you know, things were pretty sunny. Everything looked great. But there were a lot of sort of, they weren't exactly secrets in my family. They were things that were obvious that we all knew, but we weren't allowed to talk about it or um, put it in context. We weren't allowed to call things by their real name in Mm -hmm. a way because we just, there was a family mythology that we all kind of were, sworn to uphold we weren't we wasn't we weren't taught that this in any specific way it wasn't like we were sat down by our parents and said these are the rules of the house and if you don't obey there are going to be consequences it wasn't anything like this my parents weren't particularly punitive um but there was a culture there was a culture in every family that says these are the rules and the unwritten rules and ones that you just right it's interesting these were the unwritten rules and in my family they were very corrosive Um, and one by one, we all came out absolutely friggin' nuts, you know, so, I mean, I'm serious, um, and in my own case, it was enormous depression and anxiety, Mm -hmm. and, and I was able to combat all of that just by my sheer drive and ambition, and thank God, I mean, I had many blessings, too, including kind of most prominently that my parents were huge advocates of education. And so, you know, I, I didn't have a choice. I was going to go to college and get an education. Like this was, it was either do, yes. I mean, I never even thought thought for one second that I didn't want to pursue that. Um, and I did want to pursue it. And I went off and I got a good college education and I went off and I got a job and I kept learning. And, you know, uh, th- there was nothing I couldn't pursue in one way. Uh, the sky was the limit for me, given my um the, my parental support of, of my ambitions and my education. And on the other hand, I was really crippled um, from the inside. Mm-hmm. So I spent, you know, most of my adult life trying to figure out what the heck happened. Right. Just like Joshua. Yeah, but yeah. I, I didn't have to be schizophrenic to, <laughs> to not know. I just really didn't know. On the one hand, I knew exactly. And on the other hand, I had no clue. I didn't have the context the language, me with my language, I don't, I've never stopped talking since I, you know, popped out of the popping place. <laughs> um, I didn't, I honestly didn't know what happened. You know, I thought it was interesting that you had the brother uh, throughout the novel and you, you, you right. get to get to know this brother um, sort of as a distant, sarcastic, but there are right. pieces of pain that, that come through. And there's right. a, a moment when he confronts the family with the secrets of like, I tried to tell you that there was something off, you know, right. I, I tried so the to, brother. Yeah. Right. The I, brother is the second banana. He's mm-hmm. because the older brother is the oldest. He's sort of the favorite. He can mm-hmm. do no wrong. Mm-hmm. And the little brother carries sort of all the shame of the family. Mm-hmm. And he's really, really angry. Yeah. <laughs> he's angry because he's been forced into colluding with this, kind of big giant secret he doesn't know what the secret is either he doesn't know what josh has been up to he just mm-hmm. knows that that they the whole family is upholding some kind of giant lie mm-hmm. and he doesn't understand why mm-hmm. and he's just pissed off right. 
And every time he expresses that anger, he's not going to do it in a mature way. After all, he's a kid himself. He's the one who gets in trouble. He's the one who's told he's a jerk and he's selfish and what's wrong with you and you're not going, you're not upholding the family way of doing things. And um, so he's the one who finally spills the beans. He's the one who finally gets so angry and he blows up. And um, with with that act of defiance on the part of the brother, things begin to shift. Yeah, it's interesting with Joshua because you sense that the mother's a little overbearing, and all of a sudden you're starting to sort of collude with Joshua. Like, yeah, that mom is kind of protective. Yeah, well, she's a, <laughs> yeah, she's trying to. She's the mother. You know, she's sort of the what do you call it, the the mother bear. You yeah, know, she wants to keep her cubs safe. And, and she then, just is going about it the wrong way. Exactly. She's not, she's not no, a mean no, person. No, not at all. And, and, and you start to identify. I mean, how many times have I done similar things of like <laughs> wanting to make sure that it's safe um, right. and that, you know, you have to understand that there's got to be boundaries and there's got to be way. And, and you right. understand more of why it became so important to her as the book is more revealed, which I love. Right. So the book is just right. It's it, as, as I keep saying, Joshua, the book is really about Joshua's trying to figure out who he is, what he's done, why he's done it. Mm -hmm. And as he moves into discovery and insists on telling his own story and understanding his own story from the inside out rather than from the outside in, he takes his family with him. Right. They don't have a choice. And his you know, to the credit of his family as it were, they go with him. They 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 move with him. So the he 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 gets to have a hopeful ending, as does his family, because he has shifted. As he shifts, they have to. And with um, that, with that, we're going to end this segment, because there's more coming up in the next segment <laughs> about love and relationships in high school and all of those good things and surviving the high school crazy, as well as a few more things about mom and dad. So you're listening to AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, and we're on Connections Radio Show. And we're talking about the book of Joshua, which you can get anywhere that you like to buy books. Uh, It's by Jennifer Ann Moses. Go to Amazon. Go to wherever you're going to buy a book. Buy the book. Great book to have, read, share, talk about. And we'll be talking more when we get back from a few short commercials. We'll be right back. St. Paul's Payne Avenue Historic Brunson's Pub has a special charm you feel instantly as you walk through the doors. Owners Tom and Molly encourage you to come to their cozy pub and celebrate the holidays with great food and drink. Brunson's Pub gives you a taste of history and inspires you to make a little history of your own. Tom's first job at 17 was a busser at a local Eastside restaurant. The attraction to hospitality was immediate. The energy, the community, the living history. He knew his future then. Not long after, Tom met Molly while both working at a St. Paul pub. It was love at first sight. With Tom's passion for locally owned restaurants and Molly's entrepreneurial drive, a partnership was forged and grew into a celebration of the art and history of the St. Paul pub through creating the Brunson's Pub. Bring your friends and family and enjoy good times together at Brunson's Pub. You can pick up a discounted gift card at Brunson'sPub.com and be sure to give a visit and a like to Brunson's Pub on Facebook. Tom and Molly look forward to seeing you. Hi, I'm Rose McGee, founder of Sweet Potato Comfort Pies. I invite you to celebrate Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s 90th birthday and our Sweet Potato Comfort Pies' fifth annual holiday of service. We'll experience the deep roots of African-American culture and its time-tested practice for fostering healing and constructive action. In the South, where Dr. King led his groundbreaking work for civil rights, Sweet Potato Pie has always been the sacred dessert of black culture. On Saturday, January 19th at Calvary Lutheran Church in Golden Valley, volunteers will bake 90 pies in honor of Dr. King. Then on Sunday, January 20th at Brookview Community Center in Golden Valley, community members will share their own stories to promote racial solidarity and healing, and together will determine who to recognize with a pie for comfort or courage. So to beg, register or donate, please email us at sweetpotatocomfortpies at gmail.com. Together, we'll keep our eyes on the pies. Gami Mahal is a full-spice Bangladeshi Indian restaurant. The owner, Rahel Islam, comes from the Flavor Village in Bangladesh, and he is pleased to offer you dishes cooked from passed-down family recipes. Gami Mahal's mission is to provide high-quality, healthy, 
locally sourced food that brings you peace by pleasing your palate. Dedicated to Gandhi's principle of inspiring change through our contributions, Gandhi Mahal Restaurant aspires to bring diverse Minnesotans together. We invite you to join Gandhi Mahal celebration for New Year's Eve. Join us for lively, authentic Indian music and a special meal to bring in our New Year hopes for change. Your visit will also support increased community understanding and sustainability. Visit Gandhi Mahal Restaurant located at 3009 27th Avenue South in Minneapolis. And learn more about us at our website, GandhiMahal.com. That's GandhiMahal.com. Hi, I'm Noshina Hussein, and I'm from Reviving the Islamic Sisterhood for Empowerment. We are on a mission to amplify the voice and power of Muslim women by reclaiming stories told about us and training our sisters to become leaders in our communities. We imagine a future in which all Muslim women are connected, reflected, celebrated, and emboldened. A future that can only be realized when we see ourselves in positions of power. Our sisterhood is grounded in our faith, which inspires us to show up together and create change in our communities. Together, we rise. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show. I'm Laurie Fitz and your host, and we're having a really good conversation with Jennifer Ann Moses, the author of The Book of Joshua. Now, when I first opened the book, it was great because it it um, starts you right off in a, a place, a, a great access point. And Jennifer, I'm going to have you read to us how you start your book. Oh, thanks. So I will start with Chapter 1, Page 5. Dear Admissions Committee, I recently read an article in the newspaper that said that more and more high school seniors are writing essays about things like their genitals or the trauma of walking in on their parents in mid-private parental activity or the year they spent eating their own toe fungus. The point of the article is that there are kids so desperate to go to their first choice college that they'll write about just about anything in order to stand out against the crowd of your usual overachieving kids. Whereas the best I can do in the bragosphere is the following. I eventually passed all my classes. And I'm going to skip to the end of the chapter. The worst of it, even though I had been told about my superhuman days, about what I'd done or said, I couldn't remember any of it. All I knew was that I'd somehow disposed of my left eye, that my girlfriend, the girl I loved, Sophie, the last person I remembered seeing before I woke up in the hospital with bandages on my face, that Sophie was untraceable, as in vanished, abducted by aliens, gone. So, yeah, I had only one eye, my girlfriend had vanished, and on top of everything else, I still had to live. So Josh was writing to the admissions committee as <laughs> the colleges he's applying to. Explaining his, his psychotic, schizophrenic breakdown. <laughs> Explaining that he's not a typical college applicant no. from, the, uh, no. from the suburbs. <laughs> you know, and when, I, when you talk about in the book when there's um, the mother who's just trying to hold it all together, she's doing right. four different meals so that everybody's happy because she wants right. to just pull it all. And I can relate. I mean, I did the same thing. It was just like, okay, this person doesn't like this, so I'll make this meal. This person doesn't like this, right. so I'll make this meal. And then all of a sudden you just have sort of your own breakdown. I can't keep doing this. She well, herself. I did. Yeah. yeah, I mean, as a mom, I, I have three now grown <laughs> children, and I always joke that I have four children if you include my husband, but <laughs> um, but I, I was doing that too. And at a certain point, I, I got smart, and I said, you can either eat this or make yourself a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. <laughs> and they made peanut butter. I'm like, you know, they're not going to starve. No. No. I was done. You yes. know, eat the peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I had a great break in my, I was really lucky because the funny, funny, um, I grew up on the East Coast. My husband's from the East Coast. We had three children when we were living in Washington, D.C., but then we moved to Baton Rouge, Louisiana, which is the deep south, and it's it's like the 1950s there. And I became a 1950s mom. I learned to say, <laughs> what don't you understand about the word no? And because I said so. And uh-huh. I said, excuse me, don't you call me ma'am? And, you know, and my kids, 
just just <laughs> went around telling everyone they had the meanest mom in America. Mm-hmm. And now that they're grown and all of them in their 20s, my eldest will be 30 on his next birthday, um, they, they've all thanked me. Yeah. Because... You know, because I was mean. <laughs> no, I wasn't mean. I was I was firm. But was you know, I, I think I wasn't I wasn't their friend. Right, and I, I think Joshua has that respect. I mean, he he confronts his mom on lots of things, and you know that there's something a little off with Joshua when he needs to, you know, have his stuffed animal, and you know he's in high school. So right. you're knowing that there's something kind of quirky. You know that the mother loves him. She, she's trying to protect him, but. You're right with Joshua trying to figure out, okay, but why is this all happening? And right. and during all of that, he, he's going and he's talking with his friends that he needs to for his, he, he goes to his mental health counselor, he right. goes to group counseling, he's confronted right. with all of that awkward angst of being a high school student with other high school kids. Right. And, you know, it, and this is a kid who, uh, unlike you know what we read about in the newspaper, he's he's suffering from mental illness all yeah. by himself. He has not been made crazy by the internet. No, he's just he's just got a chemical illness in mm-hmm. his brain. Um, so yeah, he he, uh, as you know, because you read the book, Joshua gets a huge lucky break. He he's he's repeating his senior year and has no friends and there's only one other new kid in the senior class new to the senior class um who's kind of an outcast who's scrawny has a giant she's like he compares her to a mutt and to like a chicken she's this scrawny kind of indescript uh nondescript kid girl skinny little speaks with a southern accent so he know everyone notices her because she has a southern accent in a new jersey town um and it, she thinks he's stalking her, mm-hmm. and he thinks she's stalking him. And when they finally confront each other, um, they have this big blow-up, and then they end up a half an hour cracking each later in their blow, after their blow-up, being you know cracking each other up. And she has a back backstory too. She also has a mysterious backstory that he, she will not tell him. Mm-hmm. But she knows what her own backstory is, and she turns out to be his greatest friend and friend of the soul, and is able through through his friendship with this awkward kind of outcast girl and their real love of each other. She helps him trust himself enough to find out to know who he is and what he's done. She's like and a little sleuth, supporting him all the way. Which well, I she also. Yeah, she also does, you know, she she does she does research on his yeah, past. Yeah. Because she's super smart. She's just really a smart kind of sassy uh gritty, very gritty kid. She has enormous inner strength and it's through that friendship really that he is given the keys, right? The the, the, the keys to the kingdom, the kingdom being his self-knowledge. And that's why the book is the book of Joshua. It's not just his name, but he he's like the biblical Joshua. He's he's trying to get the walls to fall down, right? He needs his walls to fall down, the walls between the, 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 that are keeping him from his own self. Um, so she helps him do that. She helps him. She helps him tumble. You know, get the walls tumbling. Even the self perception that you're supposed to be a certain way. Uh, that you he he looked at his role. It seemed like. At, when he was, you know, with it and the big man on campus and, and mm-hmm. sort of questions even that as, as he's come to the conclusion of who he is. Just trying to figure out what, what it means and what roles we play, but are they really who we are? Right. And I mean, I think that's kind of the human quest. It goes all the way back to know thyself, right? Mm-hmm. The Greeks, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, who, it's who you are, what, what you're put on earth for, who you are what the influences are in, in making you who you are. Um, I mean, we all are raised in our own culture, specific culture of the family that, 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 that raises us, a family or, or family-like unit that raises us, and then the larger culture we grow up in. Um, that's, the, you know, that's the human condition from, from uh, you know, from, from um, sorry, <laughs> Papua New Guinea, yeah. um, you know, to, to Montclair, New Jersey, where I live. Um, so in his case, again, it's it's the family culture and his role in the family versus who who he really is, who he really is in his in his bones and his in his 
on a cellular level. What is soul? What is soul is made of? And it is his journey, but we do learn about others' journey and how they're working out who they are, which is lovely right. by the end. We, we do Including s- his mother. Exactly, exactly. I love right. that. His, his mother is doing her very best, and she's greatly heroic in her own way. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's really scared of the truth. Yes. Leaking out because she's scared of the consequences of the truth leaking out. And well, in uh, fact, uh, her fears are mis- misguided. Right. But, and, and and she is you assume that there's the challenge between Elizabeth the the new friend and her because there's some sort of overprotection but it all right. unravels in a way that you go oh, okay that makes sense you have right. an empathy for each one of the characters and that's what I love about your writing is that right. there's an right. honoring of everyone has their own journey and we're all just trying to do the best we can most people are trying to do the best they can I mean when you look back in your at least when I look back on my high school years I, I mean, it was just really I mean we, we really should have all been medicated to go yes, yes and more of that because it was just <laughs> yes and more of that Sure. Yes, yes, and more on that in our next area. We've got, I've got to go out on this one, but I do have to admit, Jennifer uh, and I were at the same high school, so we've got some good yes, high we school <laughs> memories. So we'll be right back. We'll share more about the book of Joshua. Wonderful book. I highly recommend it for your family, for friends, for kids you know, for schools. It's a great book. It's called The Book of Joshua by Jennifer Ann Moses, and we'll be right back. The bright and fun brainchild of the Wadi Brothers, the World Street Kitchen, features flavors from across the globe, from Asia to the Caribbean to the Mediterranean and everything in between. The restaurant serves popular staples, specials, sweets, and cocktails in one friendly spot. What's it like? It's an experience. The red curry chicken burrito slaps you on one cheek and kisses you on the other. Bring your favorite people. Order at the counter. Sit together and laugh. Eat your crazy, delicious, simple food with big, bold flavors that come together with delicious harmony. And for dessert, enjoy the best ice cream you've ever tasted at Milk Jam Creamery, just next door. Amazing frozen creation by the team behind the World Street Kitchen. Come to Minneapolis Uptown at 2743 Lindale Avenue South and get a taste of the world. Find out about the tasty goodness at EATWSK.com. That's EATWSK.com. Why must the world be so cold? They've gone against what was told. Thinking rape is cool? Think about it. They think it's not wrong. Violence against women? The rape, the abuse, the emotional, physical? They all hold the hate. Think about it. Is it right or wrong? What attracts you? I'm not saying no names, but you laugh. Talk about it like nothing is wrong? Think about it. They all hold the hate? Gotta stop the violence. Stop the hate? Think about it. Sponsored by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition. Hello, humans. This is me, Ellie Krug, with Ellie 2.0 Radio on Monday mornings from 7 to 8 a.m. This week's idealist broke the color barrier in TV news on the West Coast. You've never heard of Belva Davis, but she's one of those giants on whose shoulders others stand today. Then the big interview is with Tom Diesick, a local idealist whose philosophy about giving back has made the world a better place. Ellie 2.0 Radio, engaging and real on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Greetings, my name is Michael Dardis. I'm excited about my new novel, a historical fiction titled The Dark Side of the Sun. The novel follows six families over 40 years with their struggle for survival and freedom. This is about the relationship of ordinary people living through hard times and two wars. They make difficult decisions to maintain their love and honor to each other and to their country. Wrapped in this struggle is a real mystery that could have changed the course of World War II. The Dark Side of the Sun has received five-star reviews on Amazon and Goodreads. Read the details on the actual history behind the book and follow my book signings and other appearances at michaeldartis.com. The Dark Side of the Sun will make a wonderful gift for any reader on your holiday shopping list. You can purchase my novel at michaeldartis.com. That's michaeldartis.com. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show. 
We've been having a great conversation today with Jennifer Ann Moses. She is an author and a painter. I have failed to mention that Jennifer is a regular contributor to Time Magazine, The New York Times, Washington Post, USA Today, Wall Street Journal. You do all these wonderful essays, and then you also do... uh, great works of of art in terms of your paintings and then beautiful stories and this is one of i i just love the book of joshua and all true confession jennifer and i did go to high school and this is about uh, set in high school and there were several times i went oh that reminds me of langley high school (laughs) i am back the one that was the most where i was right there with you is going to the football game and 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 as joshua describes going to the football game I don't know anyone in Langley that ever really watched the football game. <laughs> we just I, went, and we were so terrible anyway. It was social. <laughs> yes. Everything but, was... Lori, I was such a sort of, I felt like such an outcast in high school. I think I only went to one football game. Well, the football game... It was game, such torture for me. It, it was torture. I wasn't popular. I, well, I think it was torture actually for everyone. I'm not sure anyone really <laughs> knew what to do at the football games. I mean, we all mm-hmm. went there. And now in the Midwest, it's really different. The Midwest... And was, in the South. Oh, I, I had to like get accustomed to like people caring about sports. And I'm like, whoa. This right. Is, well, this is I live in Baton Rouge. I raised my kids. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I raised my kids mainly in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And football is, is king there. Yes, and in as fact, it is here, yeah. LSU went down really badly, apparently, to, to Alabama this Saturday night. And apparently, like, everybody in Louisiana is, is ready for the psych war. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> They're so uh, depressed. Well, it is, it, is fun. it was funny for me because for, me, for Langley High School, which is in McLean, Virginia, um, right. I think we were probably known for maybe tennis and golf and swimming. I mean, we were not team sport oriented. Our, our see, I didn't even know that. <laughs> I didn't even know that because to me it was like there were all these popular jocks and cheerleaders and uh, football players and runners and so forth. And I was not that. <laughs> so for me, it was like, I thought we were good at sports. I didn't even oh, no, know that till no. the second. We were terrible. We oh. were terrible. See what you learned 50 years later? Right. So when you, I would go to the football games. I mean, you could only take watching it for a little bit. All of a sudden, you're just sort of walking in the the uh, bleachers. or You're going behind mm-hmm. the bleachers. You're walking out. And you're just right. talking with friends. And okay, the game's over. And I, I felt that with Joshua. Joshua was just kind of, Joshua took off. He wasn't part of the game. And. Um, right. So there is that pivotal scene, right, when yes. Joshua's mom basically makes him go to the homecoming team, and he agrees to go just to get her off his back. Right. And she makes his little brother kind of escort him. And the little brother is popular and has friends, and the little brother dishes him immediately, and poor Joshua's by himself on the bleachers feeling like a big reject weirdo. And the next thing he knows, these little bratty kids who who have decided to make him the, the the target of their bullying have started bullying him and he's like I'm out of here and he and he leaves mm-hmm. he leaves and even as he's leaving the other kids are like you know ignore ignore these brats you know don't worry about them they're jerks so the other kids in in high school actually are not you know they're nice kids they don't they they don't reject Josh they they know he's had trouble he's in pain and they're trying to help him but he uh, he. He doesn't know that yet. He doesn't know that that he is actually surrounded by many, many good, kind kids um, who don't want to see him suffer. And and that bit, um, not that's not a big theme in the mm-hmm. book. But when I went to my 40th high school reunion, uh, where I saw you for the first time in 40 years, yeah, yeah. N- not that long ago, I. Kept having, I, and I was very nervous about going to the 40th reunion. And about a fifth of our classmates showed up, I'd yeah, say. Yeah. Um, and typical of reunions, the people who show up at reunions are typically people who feel good enough about themselves to see people they knew a million years ago right. who may have been their enemies or may have rejected them or may have, may have whatever. And what I found over and over again, every single person I talked to, said more or less the same thing, which was like, oh, I thought you were really cute and sweet in high school. I didn't think you were this or that, which I thought of myself. 
And, oh, yeah, I felt like that, too. I felt like a big reject. I felt weird. I was self-conscious. I didn't feel smart. Whatever it was. Mm -hmm. Almost everybody told the same story. And as adults, everybody was kind and decent. Yes. And I, in fact, the best, the whole whole evening was, uh, was, revelatory and lovely for me uh, of the reunion but the best thing of the best story I heard about myself all evening was from a classmate of ours named Andy and Andy apparently sat behind me and my best friend Karen in, in 10th grade Spanish and he said he was just a mess and he wasn't a good student and he was sitting behind Karen who was a beauty and me I wasn't bad either no he said he was you so, were quite pretty <laughs> no thank you <laughs> so Karen was like stunning you know uh-huh. drop dead gorgeous and um he sat behind us he said he was so intimidated by us <laughs> and like uh-huh. we didn't find ourselves intimidating and he said but we were always so kind to him and that he told me I in particular at one point when he said something stupid in class I covered for him or something like I can't remember what it was but this guy who I hadn't seen since forever who's now you know middle-aged man and married and kids and everything took me by the hand and led me across the room to tell me the story oh. I was so touched it, it it sort of made all of high school better <laughs> in retrospect. And you know just in, this one this one little you know that gesture, moment it was so kind. That moment of kind connection. Yeah. Right. And, you know, and Joshua I think through the journey really celebrates kindness. And well right. He discovers that he's kind and that, that he has kindness inside himself and that there's kindness all around him that he, he hadn't had access to. But right. as he learns who he is, he 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 has greater and greater access to the kindness that's available to him. And with that we're gonna have to call it a day with our conversation, but I want <laughs> others to continue by reading the book. It's the book of Joshua. You can buy it on Amazon, but you can also, you know, get to know Jennifer and some of her other work by going to jenniferannmosesarts.com. Uh, see the work that she does, but go read this book. This is a journey. This is something that helps families, I think, be able to talk about important things. So, Jennifer, thank you. Thank you for being part of Connections today, sharing from your heart, sharing from your memories, and sharing your beautiful, beautiful book. Thank you, Lord. And stay tuned. We're going to have a lot of crazy things coming up in the next month. We've got great shows in December, so thank you for joining us here on this Thanksgiving weekend. Have wonderful holidays and give everybody a hug because it's important to be kind, and that's what we remember, and that's what touches our soul. Have a good holiday.